your girl, the one known aesthetically dope, aesthetically dope, aesthetically dope. Today's episode, obviously, is <laughs> out of schedule, um, clearly, and it's important though, because <laughs> things often happen out of schedule. So this episode is going to be quite long. So I will be putting that out there. This episode will cover topics of depression and suicide and just, you know, life shit. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into it. There won't be an intro, so we don't really have to do it like that. (laughs) All right. So, funny enough, not funny, but ironically enough, I actually wanted to make a video regarding mental health because I've been wanting to do one for a while. As y'all know, I I often talk about it. Um, I am a mental health first aider and I already, you fucking know, all right, you know. So, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and get into this. So. I'm pretty sure everybody and their mom, if you don't live under a rock, have heard the news of the lovely Chesley Christ, who passed away at the age of 30 uh, on Sunday. And uh, yeah, we'll just start with that. Now, it was surprising to many people close to her because she was always very happy Um a very energetic person, a very lively individual. Sounds familiar, right? What's interesting, though, is as I reflect on her death of, at age 30, and it still being under investigation, but it is seeming like a suicide, it is, it, it is eerie. It's it's eerie because, not for nothing, <laughs> but I have a lot of similarities. Uh, in 2017, I started on a pageant journey, and then I was Miss East, um, East Orlando, because I was going to go through the pageant um, journey through, when I was going through the pageant journey of Miss USA, that's the route that I wanted to take um and which would mean that by the time pageant season had around had come around I would have been probably 27 or 28 um if I would have been crowned which is the same age uh that Chesley was she was the oldest at the time probably still now I don't know but the oldest to be crowned Miss USA and I reflected on that myself in the impending societal standard that, oh, it's all downhill once you turn 30. And I could relate, especially when I was going through my pageant journey. I damn sure could relate. Um, But while I was pursuing my pageant journey, I was also, you know, in school, really started to focus on my studies and 
I determined that, you know, I, I wanted to study law. I wanted to become a Supreme Court justice. And I'm still in school now. Um, I am also, you know, a full-time student. I, I do a lot of stuff. I run a business. I, I, I wear a lot of hats and it can be exhausting and and everything. And so it, it takes a toll on your mental health. And so I could relate. Not to mention my name is Chelsea. <laughs> Not Chesley, but Chelsea. So pretty damn close. Um, and it's it's weird to feel this odd connection to someone you've never met. But you have so many similarities in life. Including being like a really vibrant person and a really happy person. But that vibrant person who's really happy can have really sad lows, really down. And I think I think a part of it, and I've talked about this before, is a lot of brown women, women of color, we don't see that there is a place for our depression or our sadness. There isn't. There there isn't. There isn't because it's <laughs> It's weird. It's like I've been in situations where I'm in my room and and it's like this person's like oh, you know, I can't I can't do this because I'm I have like real bad anxiety and this another person, "Oh, me too. I, I can't do this, blah blah blah." And me, I'm like, "No, nah, I ain't got none of that. I'm good. We're good." But 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 the thing is, I know that I do. It's just not something that I'm going to advertise, put on a pedestal, be vocal about. I'm not. It, it's like we'll discuss it. Absolutely. But as it relates uh, to an outer body experience, not necessarily to ourselves. And that's what's scary. And I know I've said this before is my biggest fear in life isn't of a person place thing. It is of my own self and the pension within my family to develop mental illness, the, uh, even at a latter stage in life. And it's, it's, I don't, I don't want that. So this week was, was weird because I was, uh, I've attended two celebration of lives for, uh, my boyfriend's grandparents. Um, they passed away last year, months apart, but we since they both died the same year, they were born the same year, um, everybody got together and this was the date that they selected to do their celebration of life and kind of like a small service at the uh, cemetery. They have like a mausoleum and that's where they're in. So we were there. And it's interesting because... <laughs> While I'm there, I, I am consciously aware of my mortality. I have always been. This is not something that's surprising to me. Death does not scare me. It's a means to an end. Literal end. <laughs> but that is scary. What's scary is living. And sometimes living with, with your own self and living with your own thoughts. And sometimes those thoughts can be very, very loud. 
like this weekend, some of my thoughts were very loud. I was really hard on myself, you know? Uh, and it's a juggling act. It is. It's a juggling act when it comes to existing, being a person, you know, you constantly juggling what other people think of you, internal struggles, external struggles, the whole gambit. And then I'm, I'm, for me, I'm juggling work. And and I like, <laughs> here's the thing, <clears throat> move the mic a little bit closer. I'd like to say that it's my job that mostly adds to my sense of impending doom but I would be lying I, I would I would be lying it isn't it, it isn't it can't be because of the fact that I've always had this sense of impending doom <laughs> whether or not if it's reared its ugly head every single day is it is what it is but I have to keep telling myself every day that like this too will pass there are days where I'm like, but will it? If this too will pass, there is that moment where you're like, but how soon until it comes back? And that is the part that we miss. That's the part that everybody misses. That's the part that's probably the problem that's the that's the situation in which we don't discuss it's telling everybody that this moment of sadness this moment of feeling like crap it will pass but neglecting to inform you that <laughs> it will come again and it might be worse so do you build yourself up from that moment Because this moment is going to pass, what are you going to do? So, I don't know. I've been considering, considering speaking to a, a therapist. But at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> if I go to talk to a therapist, Here's the weird thing. This is what I'm going to, and I'm going to just put this out here. Talking to a therapist is going to be like this. It's going to be, it, <laughs> I'm actually going to have to make this into its own section. So here's a conversation as soon as I walk into the therapist office of what I'm going to say. So I walk into the therapist's office and I'm like, <laughs> sit down so what brings you in today and I think to myself if a therapist starts what brings you in today the first thing I'm gonna say is well what the fuck do you think brings me in today I want to talk about cookies <laughs> no um no in seriousness I I would I don't know if I would go in guarded but I feel like if I go in and I'm 100% truthful and unguarded and the fact that I have to pay this bill when I leave <laughs> The first thing out of my mouth is, first off, 
I don't need you to diagnose me <laughs> with anything. I just need you to listen. And then they'll say, well, that's what I'm here for. And I'm like, yeah, but I also got like a, a podcast for that too. But <laughs> no, see, and then I mask with jokes and humor and I turn everything into a piece of comedy at some point. So I know that about myself. But I'll say that um, lately I've been, not lately, but in general, I'm all, it's not like I'm waiting for a shoe to drop, but humans are, man, we're really, we're, <laughs> we're self-destructive creatures. And I know that I have those tendencies. So I would say to them, lately I've been feeling really anxious and I've been working more. And I'm not working more because I like what I do for my day job. I absolutely hate what I do for my day job. And I don't like the people I work with. But I found a new desire to work. And it's not the actual work. It's because I work with someone who I kind of have a crush on. But it's completely inappropriate. And I know that. And I know that I'm only working more as a way to impress this individual. But what for? I have no reason to. So then I think to myself and I know this to myself, then stop. Stop doing it. And yet, I still do it. So then, then I continue to, and then I overanalyze why I'm doing it. And then it brings me to the situation in which I realize that I don't feel that I'm heard, and yet this person feels so familiar, yet so distant, yet they still hear and see me. And they do have commonalities and common things that are similar to my significant other yet my significant other really doesn't listen to me or hear me so therefore I'm here in your office and not because I don't know what's wrong but because I am obsessive about things and I don't want to be and it's bothersome so how do I fix it And that would be the start of a long conversation. Well, why do you feel that you're obsessive about it? What do you do that's obsessive? I could go on a long, long, long ass tangent. But I won't. I'll just say I recognize everything that's wrong with me. And once I recognize it, I do analyze myself and say, but why do you feel this way? And what has brought you to this conclusion? And then I know the right thing to do, but I don't do it. And it's just so much, you know. I know the right thing to do, I just don't do it. So when you're talking, when you're talking to, I don't know, like a, a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or somebody who's listening, a counselor, whoever, you feel that there's a silent judgment there because humans are always silently judging you, right? Wrong. Wrong. Everybody goes home and they got something. <laughs> You know, they got some thing on their plate, on their mind. They're thinking about something, you know. 
And when you go to see a doctor, your hopes is that they hear you and that they see you. But that's the problem, too. I can't go to a doctor. Listen, I'm going to have to go to a female doctor, okay? Because one, if I go to a doctor and it's like, they hear me and they see me. And my doctor's a dude and boy, don't have brown hair or dark hair and green eyes because that's a fucking disaster. I can't have you as my therapist. It's going to be a problem. I know that about myself. I fucking know that about myself. You think I don't know that? I'm very well equipped of understanding the parts of me in which I truly, truly, truly wish to extinguish. Not to, I don't want to get rid of it. It's just I just don't want to always be like human. Because it's always like, uh, Chelsea, you know, <laughs> being human is feeling certain ways and then making sure that you don't act on those things and I'm like it's fucking hard I have impulse control issues and I know that I'm working on it I really am and that is something I'm working on is my impulse control because I am impulsive and I know that because I buy random shit that I don't fucking need and th I do it, and then now I have, like, three bags of returns that I should have returned fucking three weeks ago and I still haven't done it. So, there's always something. But that would be what my session would be like if I saw a therapist. <laughs> It is what it is. Let's wrap up. So, wrapping up. I am. I don't know. There's a bit of. There's a bit of chaos associated with me, and I can feel it. And I know it's there, and I recognize it. The problem is, what do I do about it? You know? We've got fucking clowns to the left of me jokers to the right and here I am literally stuck in the middle with my damn self so <laughs> not even that it's just being human is hard and we're hard on ourselves and we're all so hard on ourselves men women children we we don't give ourselves credit we act impulsively which is why we have crimes and murders and all that kind of bullshit you are a psychopath if you have to think about it it's methodical that's an issue but <laughs> um but it's it's learning to forgive yourself and not repeat habits. Like I said, being human is hard. It's hard work. It's strenuous. <laughs> it's 
You can have absolutely everything to everyone and still have absolutely nothing. Because unless you figure out what's your internal struggle is and you have to actively work on it then you you'll always be fighting with yourself like there's a reason I will never live in a high rise there's a reason why I will never live in certain situations or have certain things in my home I have impulse control problems and I also sometimes have really bad mood swings and bipolar depression that comes and goes usually actually the the bipolar depression comes around the time of ovulation for me so I do know it's like hormonal as fuck (laughs) um and I can't help that but I can recognize it and I can understand when these when these uh, periods are about to happen, when these situ- when I'm going to be feeling some type of way, I fucking know it <laughs> in advance. So that's kind of a leg up. And once, once I recognize those things, I can take precautions, the necessary steps to keep myself from being so self-deprecating and self-destructive and angry all the goddamn time. I think I said this last year is I'm so angry all the time, but I think I use it. I say angry, but it's I'm not angry. I'm just sad. And I don't know what to do about it other than try to live. So if you are listening and you are like me and you you are angry all the time. At least that's how you you say it. Recognize it. Don't 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 try and hide it. Don't try and hide it. Don't try to hide it or fight it. Recognize that it exists. Give it a name. <sighs> Call it by its name. And You don't necessarily have to wear it on your sleeve like some people do. There's no reason to walk around with a sign that says, like, I have this. No, that doesn't work for everybody. Damn sure don't work for me. I don't need the stigma associated with it. It exists. I recognize that it exists. And yes, I do think there needs to be more resources, but I don't want that to be the first thing that people recognize about me. Because not for nothing, every single person on this globe has something that is uniquely them and something that triggers them, whether it be a good emotion or bad. So for that reason, if you are listening, own whatever it is, give it a name. See it for what it is. Because it's a part of being human. And it's easy for people to say, talk to someone. 
it's very very easy for people to say see a therapist talk to someone talk to anyone but then there's the feeling that you're burdened if you're talking to a friend or a family member or the fear that maybe this friend or family member is blabbing everything so you don't really feel that you can trust them that's okay because you don't have to talk to people based on proximity you don't have to look for people who always have things in common with you you just have to learn to be and when those feelings overwhelm you I like to take long walks at about four o'clock in the afternoon. I take um, an hour walk, two miles, so I can think. No social media, no none of that. Just think, learn to be. But that's how I process it. Find that healthy outlet, that way to lessen that energy because it can get overwhelming and loud it can get loud out there and sometimes that loudness is just too much so know that I'm here for you and that I am always always Always, 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 always willing to listen to you. So if you want to be heard, send me an email. Just <laughs> really quick, just yeah, send me an email. Or even a text. I and I won't share your life. But it's nice to have someone there for you. And unjudgmental. I won't give you any advice. <laughs> it's not my wheelhouse. Because as I said in my mental health first aider episode, my job is to listen non-judgmentally. And offer resources to help you. And I'm always willing to listen non-judgmentally. So. Just so you know, my email is, uh, <laughs> man, I have a ton of them, but you can always email me at tayloraria20 at gmail.com. That's T-A-Y-L-O-R. A R I A two zero at gmail.com. I've got like a hundred emails, so that's like the one. Yeah. And don't worry, your information is private with me. I will probably be deleting the header out of the email. <laughs> but I digress. It's been nice talking. And Take care of yourself and each other.